you have your Bibles today, turn to Psalm chapter 27. A very familiar portion of Scripture that we'll be reading, particularly the first verse, Psalm 27. We'll be reading three verses of Scripture today. I love Psalms. They are beautiful. But I also love Psalms because they're honest. The Bible is a completely unedited document. They did not scrub out the bad parts. And Jim, when you read Psalms, there's all the highs and there's all the lows. There's God is so near that I can't stand it. It's awesome. And there's God seems far away. And I don't understand this mess. I'm translating into West Tennessee English. But everything is there in the Psalms. And you find that even in these three verses right here. In Psalm chapter 27, verses 4 through 6, David says this, One thing I've desired of the Lord, and that I'm going to seek after. You got it. You got a magic key. It's a golden pass. Jay, you can ask God for anything you want. Solomon asked for wisdom. Here's what David said. If I could have one thing, God writes me a blank check. Mary, he says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I, I want to I stay here. I, I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. So I don't want to just be in His house. I want to meet Him. I want to see who He is. And then I want to inquire in His temple. Brother, Brother Tommy says, if I've got questions, that's where I want to bring my questions. I want to be with His people. I want to see His face. And I want to take him my questions. David was kind of tricky. He was like uh, the genie says, you, you want one wish and, you, and you, it's three more wishes. That's what he got. David made it a three-part question. He said, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I want to see his beauty and I want to inquire in the temple. That's all of the house of God. I want to be in the house of the Lord. Look at why he says that though. And this is a portion that we don't often quote. For in the time of trouble. Now without revealing anything too personal. Well, I don't, even, I don't even have to ask the question about who's encountered trouble in your life. You guys have not lived in a bubble. You guys are in real life. But David said, in time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He will set me up upon a rock. I said to you earlier that God sits above our problems. But if you get to know him, eventually he will take you up there with him and seat you with him in heavenly places above the trouble that comes in your life. And that is found through accessing his presence. And now will my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. It is a sacrifice sometimes to be joyful. It is a sacrifice to rise out of our own emotions and our own circumstances and our own problems. I've been there. To some extent today, I am there. And for those of you that are struggling, I struggle with you. Because when I asked God to give me a connection to you, He didn't just say, I'm going to connect you to the birthday parties. He didn't just say, I'm going to connect you to the anniversaries. He said, I'm going to connect you to the trouble. And so we're family, like it or not. 
You're going to have to excise me to get rid of me in your life. And highs and lows, we work through it together. But here's the deal. What David found was, I'm going to give the sacrifices of joy. I'm going to sing, let me paraphrase, even when I don't want to. Yes, I'm going to sing praises unto the Lord. Again, I commend you today. If you walked in and your life is great, Hallelujah. You praise God even past the distractions. But if you walked in and you've got trouble today, you're with David. He said, I'm going to give the sacrifices and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord because there is safety and security in him. Today, ostriches, eagles, and trouble. Ostriches, eagles, and trouble. Lord, these are your people and the sheep of your pastor. Every person under the sound of my voice has been bought with a price by your own blood. And every person under the sound of my voice loves and appreciates you and your name. That's why they've invested their time and their effort, their talent and their treasure to be here today. And so I'm asking you for an uncommon anointing to follow in our time together. In the next 15 to 20 minutes, I'm asking you, Lord, to be manifest among us as your word goes forth. Let your spirit plant it deep into our hearts that we will not soon forget the message that you are sovereign above our circumstances and that your care for us is greater than the enemy's power over us and that your power over him will ultimately bring us to triumph because you always cause us to triumph in Christ. I pray that not one person will leave here under the throes of depression. I pray that not one person will leave here under the, the, the ravages of discouragement. And I pray that not one person will leave here, Lord, and bewildered, but I pray that we will have renewed faith and renewed hope and that you will strengthen your church both corporately and individually. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, which is above each and every other name. And the church said, Amen. You may be seated. Our text is often quoted as an example of religious devotion by David. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And it's an admirable sentiment. It makes for a nice card. It makes for a nice uh, plaque on your wall. And certainly pastors and religious leaders like to quote it because it, 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 it encourages faithfulness and attendance and all of that stuff. And of course, you know, we like to see everybody when we gather together. And so people talk about this a lot. You know, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But it's interesting to me the reason that David gives for wanting to be in the house of God. Now, I have had some wonderful experiences the last two years. And so as we have uh, joined together as a body of Christ. And so I would give one of the reasons for wanting to be in the house of God, Rebecca Mosier's chocolate cake. That is an excellent reason to want to be here. I'll tell you, it's a good reason. And uh, Sheila's got some good things that she cooks. And, and I enjoy Scott King's humor and the way that he does things. And I like the way that Preston is faithful and gets things done. I like the way that Mark encourages me to be efficient and to think things through before I, you know, fire the water pistol before aiming it, you know, and everything and getting everything together. There's so much. I, I enjoy uh, Willie and his fellowship and I enjoy all of you and, and each of you and what you represent. And it's a great privilege to speak with Brother Young and, 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 and Brother Willie and they represent wisdom in our elders in our congregation. And then I enjoy talking theology with Jay and medicine with, with Jess and Robin. There's a lot of reasons to want to come to the house of God. The music's pretty cool here. I'm biased. Yes, I have absolutely no objectivity, objectivity in it. But I'll tell you, we have a, a, a wonderful uh, worship leader and she's phenomenal. And I really, really like her. And I, I vote for her. I think she's awesome. And uh, 
Is there anything else I was supposed to say, dear? Uh, but it's, she's, she's great. It's a good reason to come here. You're all nice people. You're not gossipers. You're interceders. And I appreciate that. Don't become a gossiper because those texts that I send you every week that's usually encouraging will take a different tone. I, I, I don't like gossipers. I, I, I can't stand that. We don't, we don't need people that are inspecting other people and then, you know, disrespecting, you know, all, all that stuff. We need people who are like you. And I'm thankful for that. And, and I'm thankful that we have wonderful things here. We don't come here because of a fabulous facility or fabulous production values. You voted because you enjoy fellowship more than that. And, I, and I'm thankful that you're here. But David's reason for coming to the house of God wasn't any of that. It wasn't the food. It wasn't the sacrifices. It wasn't the trumpets. It wasn't the feast. It wasn't anything. It wasn't the fancy robes that the priests wore. Uh, he came to God's house because of trouble. And I want to drive a deep stake into the heart of a religious misconception in the North American church. There are many people, and I want to kill it today. There are many people that think the time to come to church is when none of your kids' hair is out of place, when nobody said something stupid on Facebook that week, you aren't behind on your bills, your lawn is nicely edged, and you've got the yard of the month sign, and your bills are all paid, you turned in your taxes on time before May the 17th, everything is cool, you've got everything together, and you line up all the perfect children, and you drive up in your car, which is freshly washed with no pollen dust on it, you get out in your fresh car, and your shoes match your bag, and everything's great, and your beard's trimmed, and you come in, and you show off how well you're doing. Some people think that's what faithfulness is about. No, that's what religion and human effort is about. And that is never what Arlington United is about until God strikes me dead or you all leave and get somebody else. Because as long as I'm involved in this congregation, I'm going to tell you that what we're going to be about is when life really hits the fan and when things are real for you and you're in trouble, the house of God is a place where you are welcome and the house of God is a place where you belong. We're going to be the family that rescues. We're not going to be the family that judges. We're going to be the family that helps you overcome. We're not going to be the family that's the last straw in, 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 in your journey uh, of condemnation nation. We're going to be the family that triumphs together. We're not going to be the family that talks about one another. Life does happen. Matthew 5 and 45 says, it rains on the just and the unjust. And so, you know, <laughs> I don't know what parade you planned, but if you didn't check the meteorologist or look at the sky, I hope you brought an umbrella because every now and then it rains. Every now and then it happens. Sometimes you don't pass the test. Sometimes you don't get the promotion. Sometimes the loved one doesn't behave properly. Sometimes uh, the, 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 the situation doesn't go your way. You know, there's not, I, I want to be clear, there's not a devil behind every bush. Every flat tire you have is not caused by an imp. And every close parking space you ever found doesn't mean you're driving with the favor of God. Everything is not spiritual. But some things are spiritual. And I want to tell you as a pastor and a leader today that what's happening in our church recently is unusual. There's not a family sitting here that hasn't encountered severe challenges over the last several weeks. And, and I'm not sharing anybody's private business to say 
that we've all faced significant challenges. And, and I'm not talking about a $5 shortfall in your checking account. I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, a cold. I'm not talking about routine life challenges. And, 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 and as a watchman on the wall, I can see further because the Spirit allows me to do that in certain areas. And also, I'm privy to your lives because you give me that access and you talk to me. And, 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 and I share that with the Lord. Uh, and, but I'm just telling you that when things, sometimes circumstances exceed the bounds of probability. And, and when that happens, what I know is that there are supernatural forces at work. And sometimes your problems didn't come because of your actions. Sometimes they do. Sometimes we sow, we reap, and that happens. Yes, life happens. But sometimes there is trouble that comes external to us because, you know, Job's story, and, and although he never was privy to the information that we're privy to, what Job's life was really all about was a contest between good and evil. What Job's life was really about was God's faithfulness was being showcased in a human being in order to defeat the enemy and order a triumph for heaven. And Job never knew all of that. But what I'm telling you is there are forces at work in our lives that sometimes we don't understand and comprehend. And I didn't come here today with some kind of special knowledge to reveal to you individually about each person's life. But I did come here with a very strong message corporately for the body of Christ in that Arlington United family has recently been under attack spiritually and many families have been under attack spiritually and in ways that you did not account for or ask for. But I want to tell you that although we don't get to choose whether we experience trouble, we do get to choose how we respond to trouble. I'll say that again, Brother Jim. We don't get to choose whether trouble comes our way. Now, again, if we sow trouble, we reap it. So some trouble is chosen. But there's a type of trouble that is unchosen. And we don't get to choose it, but we always get to respond to it. Can I tell you something today? There is always a righteous response. No matter what anyone does, no matter what anyone says, no matter where you are, and no matter what happens to you, there is always a righteous response. And one of the things the enemy wants to take away from you is recognition of righteousness in your life. He wants to get your eyes on the trouble so much that you can't see that there is a righteous path forward that will point you to victory in Christ. He wants you to feel so defeated that you can't focus on righteousness. But God's righteousness always prevails. And until the day that God stops being righteous, then his people will always have a righteous path. I have good news for you. God's righteousness will never fail and his path forward for you will never fail. If there's not a way in front of you, I'll repeat it today. And it's very simple. He will make a way. Naive people respond to trouble. There's two ways to mess this up, okay? Two ways to mess it up. Number one, naive people deny the situation. It's a silly saying, but it's true. And it may stick with you, so I'm going to repeat it. Denial ain't just a river in Egypt. Denial is real. And you've done it. And I've done it. It's ignoring the trouble, Sheila, because we, the emotional cost of dealing with the trouble is too high. The, the, the spiritual uh, realization that, that, you know, I'm in trouble in my life 
You know, it's, it's too high. Professional Pentecostals with our Sunday smiles and, and our ready answers. Promoting a lie because the truth is too painful. That's not what our church is about. It's not who you are. It's not who we are. And you don't have to be that way today because we can be real because our faith is not a bubble faith. Our faith is a trouble faith. Our faith is not a fake faith. Our faith is a faithful faith. Our belief is not fragile, but our strong tower, Jesus Christ, stands even in the midst of life's storms. We can afford to be real because His passion was true. We can afford to be real in life because He was real on the cross and He bought a triumph for us with His death, His burial, and His resurrection. We don't have to do one thing but step into His covenant and believe on Him and obey Him and follow Him. We don't have to win the victory. All we have to do is appropriate the victory by being obedient to his word and his covenant and following him and what he asked us to live in. The legend goes that ostriches do this. Put their head down to hide the problem with their vision. If I can't see you, you can't see me. And you see this picture of an ostrich and he's got his head underneath the sand. Have you ever heard ostrich head in the sand? Don't be an ostrich. We'll talk about this in a moment. Uh, but, but ostriches are, are, are rumored to do this. And obviously this one is doing that for whatever reason. 44 miles per hour. That's how fast they run, Jim. The Preakness was run yesterday. The fastest a thoroughbred can run is 43 and a half miles per hour. Fastest a thoroughbred can run. Ostrich can outrun uh, Medina Spirit. I know that horse's name because they doped him up. I don't know all the others. But uh, I, I saw the line where Medina Spirit was in trouble. I don't know what he ran on that inset or what he was on, but... 44 miles an hour. 44 miles an hour is what an ostrich run. If you had an ostrich in the Preakness, you would have won yesterday. Because they're fast, Jay. But you know what else an ostrich can do? It stands nine feet tall. Three feet taller than the tallest dude in this building. Except for Brother Martin. Three feet taller than most of us. Can see trouble coming from a mile away. Sheila. And can outrun anything on the savannah but a cheetah. Because they cheat. And if you get next to an ostrich, Scott, a kick from an ostrich can kill a 500-pound lion. Why in the world would a fleet, powerful, vigilant creature decide to hide from trouble? That is the nine-foot-tall height of stupidity. Now, I didn't come here today. Hear me. Rewind the tape. I didn't come here today to call anybody stupid. But, Rob, what I'm telling you is if you realize the power of Jesus Christ living inside of you, it's far more than 44 miles per hour and a 500-pound kick and nine-foot-tall vision. And we as a church have zero reason to be naive about trouble in our life and try to deny the circumstance 
because we're afraid we can't overcome it. There is no circumstance made under hell, earth, or heaven that is powerful enough to stop a Christian whose faith is hid in Jesus Christ. There is no circumstance that is powerful enough to stop somebody who has the sense to hide themselves in Him rather than hiding your head in the sand. I want to give a strong word of encouragement to the church today. There's not a devil, devil made big enough that can stop you. There's not a devil made big enough to make a circumstance that can stop you if you're hid in Christ. On your own, you're a loser. Born to lose. Every human since Adam and Eve has failed the test except one. And his name is not Jay. His name is not Willie. His name is not Jim. It does start with a J in English. His name is Jesus. But if we hide ourselves in him, our defeat is also hidden in him and our victory is made manifest. And we don't have to hide from anything if we learn to hide ourselves in him. We're not going to be a church that ignores trouble or hides it. Bumper sticker wisdom and prosperity gospel memes that you downloaded from Pinterest and Instagram won't sustain you when God's timing for deliverance and your patience and endurance aren't in sync. When trouble is real, you need a faith that is more real. When times are hard, you need a rock that is more solid than the trouble that you're running into. And when circumstances are such that you can't overcome, you're going to need more than thoughts and, and prayers in air quotes. You're going to need more than a Facebook thumbs up. And you're going to need more than an Instagram like. You're going to need more than, what well, I'm going to pray for you. You're going to need a real person who will stand next to you. You're going to need a real church and you're going to need a real God and His Spirit that lives inside of you that will enable you to overcome. But I have good news for the church today. It is available to whosoever will who will hide themselves in Jesus Christ. How many want to not deny the trouble? I've been a denier before. Been a denier. Just ignore it. Just ignore the problem. I hate confrontation. Can you believe that? Hate confrontation. I don't like to fight, Willie. But some spirits cannot be negotiated with. Hear me. When they come at the gates and they say, we're going to take your wife, we're going to take your kids, we're going to do this, we're going to lead you off in chains. You read the Old Testament. You don't negotiate with those spirits. You don't send out an emissary. You say, some trust in horses. And some trust in chariots. But our trust will be in the name of the Lord, our God. He is the Lord of hosts. Okay? We don't negotiate over faith. We don't negotiate over, over, over lifestyle. We don't negotiate over, over, over our loved ones. And we don't negotiate over those things. We don't deny the problem. Naive people deny the situation. Despairing people deny the solution. You see, Satan has two tricks for you today. Just ignore it. It'll go away. That's a trick. That's an ostrich move. It's not what we're supposed to do. The other trick is to get you focused so much on the problem that you can't focus on the problem solver. To get you to despair. You can be a naive Pollyanna and never pay attention to the problems and never acknowledge it. And everybody knows what the problem is except you. Or... You can focus on the problem so much that you never lift your eyes to the hills whence cometh your help because your help comes from the Lord. I want to tell the church today that we cannot deny the solution. 
If you deny the solution today and you only focus on the problem, your faith will die a slow death because you cannot get your eyes off of the problem and onto the Lord who is the problem solver. But I want to encourage the church today with some scriptures. Second Chronicles 15, 3 and 4 describes a long season. That's what the Bible says. A long season when Israel, listen to the quote, had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without the law. But when they, in their trouble, did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. I've got good news for inconsistent people today. Even if you've been inconsistent, when you get in trouble and you come to the Lord and you say, I need you, and you seek the Lord, He's willing to be found. He's willing to be found from those who will turn to Him today. Psalms 9, 9 and 10 says, the Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of trouble. And they that know thy name will put thy trust in thee, O Lord, for thou hast not forsaken them that seek thee. They that know thy name. I'm so glad today that I'm not wandering blind in this world, in a world of philosophy and vain deceit. I'm glad that I'm not accustomed to my own power and my own intellect and my own professionalism to guide me and my family through a maelstrom of cultural wars and personal instability. But I thank my God today that I know his name is Jesus and he was manifest in the flesh for my redemption and he was crucified on Calvary for my sins and he was resurrected in power for my victory I know his name and because I know his name he will not forsake me not forsake me I've got three sons and they each bear my name and because they bear my name I cannot forsake them I've got a wife who bears my name. What would you think of me? What would you think of me if Jana was in our front yard and she had a half ragged dress on that had holes all in it and she was, she was emaciated from not being able to eat and the kids had nothing and they had dirty diapers on and they didn't have any clothes and they were bedraggled and their, their hair was all askew and they had nothing and there was nothing and it was all desolate. The weeds were all grown up and you drove by and you said, what's the problem, Jana? And she said, I've called him. I've texted him. I've asked friends because I, I call him and Clay won't respond. What would you think of me? I know what I hope you would think of me. He has lost his ever-loving mind. Why? Because she took on my name. She took on a lot of stuff she has to deal with. But one of the things she took on is, as long as I've got a dime in my pocket, it belongs to her. As long as there's an ounce of strength in my body, it belongs to her. As long as there's anything left that I can give because she bears my name, her and everything that belongs to her is something that I'm responsible for. It's no longer her responsibility to provide. It's my responsibility and she's a channel that it flows through, but it starts with me. Even more so if we bear the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we are truly His bride. When we're in trouble, He will respond and He will not fail. And in His time, He will come through. 
The Bible says in Proverbs 18 and 10 that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. I want to tell you the place to run to is not your education when you're in trouble. The place to run to is not your finances when you're in trouble. The place to run to is not even self-help books and understanding, although that can have its own role. The real place to run to when life gets real is the name of the Lord. My confidence and my safety today is not in the name of Jackson. It's not in a degree that I hold or a 401k, but it is in the name of Jesus. I'm going to take it further than that. Daniel 11.32 says, Not only is the name of the Lord a strong tower, not only does the name of the Lord provide us with unconditional provision of His name when we call on Him and when we bear His covenant, but Daniel 11.32 says, Not only will we be safe, not only will God redeem us, but Jay, the Bible says, the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. If your trouble brings you like David to a greater knowledge of Jesus Christ, then Satan made a terrible mistake by bringing trouble into your life because the people that know their God are not going to be weakened by trouble. They're going to be strengthened by trouble and they're going to do exploits. Resistance builds strength. You can't build muscles. You know that in space... They have to do special exercises and bring resistance because without gravity, your bones will deteriorate. Resistance has a purpose. And spiritually, when we face trouble, it makes our faith not weaker, but stronger when we hide ourselves in Christ. And what that does, Scott, is make you extra dangerous when you run into anybody like you ran into a person that you talked about with me this week and you witness to them or you testify to them or you say, hey, we're praying for you because your faith is a faith that has been tested and a faith that has been tested is a faith that has been worthy of trust. Stand with me today. Isaiah 40 and 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth faints not, neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. If you're weak today, you're in the right place. If you have absolutely no strength today, you're in the right place. Because you're the one person in this scripture that has a promise from God that is ironclad. It says if you wait on the Lord, He will renew your strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Ostriches are rumored to hide their head in the sand. But eagles, when they face trouble, rise above. They ride on updrafts of storms. Ask a question today. What do you want to be? It'd be nice to kick a lion to death, I guess. But the higher... An eagle rises, the more it can see. And the less vulnerable it is. Can I say it this way? I'm getting a little weary of flying at low altitude. I'm getting a little weary of being vulnerable and feeling like I'm the one who spat upon it. I'm getting a little weary of being the low bird. I don't want to be higher than anybody else. 
but I'd like to be higher than some of my problems. Why don't we just do it this way? Why don't we be seated together in heavenly places? I don't want to be higher than you, but I want to be higher than him. I'm going to face trouble. You're going to face trouble. Jesus promised it. He prophesied it. He said, in this world, you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. His apostle John said, the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work, but you're of God, little children, and you've overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Romans 16 and 20, he said, the God of all peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Anybody got a watch on? Anybody carry watches anymore? You got a watch on. Look at your watch. That's what you need to do when you're in trouble, Jess. Because the Bible tells me that Satan has come down in great wrath because his time is short. And one of his tricks is to make you think that when he's working in your life, that he has carte blanche to continue work in time immemorial and to weary you out and wear you out until you can't take it anymore. But the absolute truth of Scripture is the whole reason he gets so angry is because he knows he's only got a limited time to work until he's going to be bound and you're going to be loosed. The truth is, when Satan's on the loose, he's on a leash. And his time is short. And our time is coming. Your victory, church, is in your waiting. The longer you wait, the shorter Satan's time is. The longer you wait, the more your strength grows and the more his strength is diminished. My attitude is going to be conducive to altitude because I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. I am not an ostrich person. I am an eagle person. Say it with me, if you don't believe it yet. I am not an ostrich person. I am an eagle person. Let's say it again. Maybe you might believe it. I am not an ostrich person. I am an eagle person. I'm going to ignore my problems. But I'm not going to ignore my problem solver either. I'm going to look to the hills because my God, the first time he fails will be when he starts. And he's not starting anytime soon. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, David said. But the Lord delivers out of them. A-L-L. You can't have an affliction, Scott, that Scripture hasn't promised you. The Lord delivers out of Stay in the chariot and you're going to win the race. Keep the uniform on and you're going to win the game. Keep waiting and you're going to feel the wind of the Spirit beneath your wings. Keep hanging in there and one day you're going to be over there and it's all going to be over. Keep putting your trust in Him and He's going to keep putting hope in you. Keep taking your problems to the problem solver until the problem maker is bound. Keep believing in God for what you're going to see until you see from God what you're believing. Because church, we are always triumphant in Christ. Whether you feel it or not is completely irrelevant to the reality of the Word of God. I love it when I feel it. 
But even when I don't feel it, it's true. We have a triumph in Christ over all things that the enemy brings. Let's pray together. Let's respond together to the Word of God. If you'd like to come to the front, you can today. We're going to eliminate the social distancing because of vaccines and because of natural immunity. If you'd like to come forward and pray, we can do that. But let's worship God together for what He's doing. Let's thank God for His victory that He's working. Let's petition God for Him to continue to work in our lives. And let's be thankful for the strong tower that He is in the name of Jesus.